time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. The American people, I think, is good people. They are. They have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies. Back to the Cold War 179. That sounds right. Ray, uh, we've now been doing podcasts for seven years and one week. Wow. I, I feel like we're so much better tell you, than we were a week ago. Yeah. But a week ago. I think we're starting to get the hang of it. I got to tell you. We're going to do Just a in rhythm. This last week. It's. Uh, would you feel like, would you say there's a rhythm starting to flesh out? Mm. Here? Yeah, something. It's something <laughs> flushing out of you. I'm not sure. I saw something pouring out the back end. Yeah. I'm not sure what it was, but yeah, it was I gotta get... black and oily. Right. Black and oily. I think you need a, a <laughs> lube chain. No, a chain. A sump. You need a new sump, I think is what you need. That's what it's going I'll for. look into that. First, I got to go get my shot in my sump. ass, and then I'll. Sump on your rump. <laughs> <clears throat> when, in the last episode, yeah. we talked about the National Security Act, which had this loosey-goosey writing about CIA is just going to collect intelligence and and, and other stuff. Other functions. And how in stuff. the uh, four years of Truman's second term, they drove through 81 secret covert, uh, well, secret and covert are the same thing, covert actions yes. through that uh, <sighs> loosey-goosey wording. Now... Right. Covert actions supposedly, supposedly required the authorization of the National Security Council, but the NSC in those days was Truman, his new Secretary of Defense, Forrestal, the Secretary of State, and the military chiefs. Yeah. But it very rarely convened, right. and when it did, Truman, Pulled a Trump. like Trump, right? yeah, <laughs> basically rarely turned up. It was up. on the golf course. Yeah. But it's just not, you know, that's why I created the CIA to do all this information so I don't have to be there all the time. And they're not supposed to be doing covert operations. So why should I show up? Truman's got better things to do. But he was there for the first meeting of this National Security Council on September 25th, as was Roscoe Hilly. Um, So, you know, he did show up for the first one. I think as long as you show up for the first meeting, you're golden. The rest of the time, let everybody else handle it. Hillen Cotter was there for such a brief time that they only got halfway through the Welcome Back Hillen Cotter song. <laughs> and he cut it. He, they, cut they, it. They just stop. Yeah, yeah. just stop. Just like, stop. <laughs> yeah. Can we return the cake? Can Welcome. we get our money back? Oh, right. Oh. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now, it wasn't only uh, Assistant Secretary of State Dean Acheson that uh, was worried about this new CIA. The CIA's own counsel, Lawrence Houston. Yes had warned Healy Cotter that uh, there was too much covert action going on. He said right off the bat, yeah. we've got no legal authority to conduct covert operations without the express consent of Congress. Oh, were they asking? We should limit our missions to gathering intelligence. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the CIA basically just said Congress schmongerous. <laughs> 
and went on doing whatever the fuck they wanted. Yeah. Now, I can't help but feel that if Hilly had been more of a powerful personality, he would have heard those, I'll just call them warnings from Congress, and he would have made his men toe the line. But given that he exuded whatever it is that he exuded, I can't even remember now because I've forgotten him. Insignificance. Uh, Insignificance. Thank you. His own men are going to listen to him, and these covert operations are going to continue. You'll remember it when it's on your tombstone, bitch. <laughs> well, I'll just look up and see. I mean, oh, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. It's- now, he, he, even Welcome Back Cotter tried to uh, get them to cut out the covert yeah. ops and they ignored him. Yes. Decisions were being made in secret and apparently often over breakfast on <laughs> Wednesdays at Secretary of Defence Forrestal's house. Right. They were a couple of couple of guys would just get around and go, We're gonna fuck some shit up this week. Yeah, yeah we're gonna fuck some shit up. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Wednesday's fucking up shit day <laughs> at uh, the sods house. <laughs> but but on yeah. S- yeah, yeah, yeah. On September twenty seventh, nineteen forty seven, Kennan, if we in forty seven or forty eight, forty seven Forty seven, right? yeah. I think. Yeah. Kennan, George Kennan, George Keenan <laughs> Thompson. Kennan. No, Keenan Thompson. No, George you know. Keenan Thompson Cannon. Oh, that's what it is. I don't know. I'm confused. George <laughs> T. Keenan. Keenan Thompson. You know, you know, you know Cannon. Well, <laughs> you know what that requires. No, what does it require? I woke up this morning and I got out of bed. Had a big old cup of coffee to clear my head up. What's up with that? Anyway, anyway, we were just talking about that the other day. We missed that. I don't know why they they got to bring that yes. back, man. That's yeah. the highlight of Get every SNL. Sudeikis on there, yeah. <clears throat> um. Keenan sent Forrestal a paper calling for the establishment of what he called a guerrilla warfare corps. God damn! God damn! No, he said yeah. that while he thought the American people would never approve of <laughs> such things, it might be essential to our security to fight fire with fire, and Forrestal agreed. So just Keenan and Forrestal together By themselves. set up the clandestine yeah. efforts of the CIA. On the De- on the December 14th, 1947, the NSC issued its first top-secret orders to the CIA telling them to execute covert psychological operations designed to counter Soviet and Soviet-inspired activities. Oh my. So, so, wait a minute. And the first place they're going to do this yeah. is... Yeah. Italia. Yeah. No, let me let me let me just, 
Let me just ask this real quick. So the CI set up it's vague. It's supposed to pass around information. It's not supposed to do covert action. Okay. So some guys decide on on in Frank Wisner's house and in Forrestal's house that they're fucking going to do whatever they want. So now they're doing covert covert operations. And now you're telling me they're going to set up guerrilla warfare units? I mean, they have so far left the reservation that it doesn't make any sense. But again, I don't think that anybody's checking in on them or they've got the right people on their side who agree with them, so they're just fucking pedal to the metal, balls to the wall. I mean, the the progress here in such a short time, breaking all the laws, using money they're not supposed to be using, going to other countries and causing trouble, which is completely illegal, but they're getting away with it and they're going to do more. I just can, I have a hard time just going, oh my God, and, and just going by that moment. They are literally making things up as they go along. Just because someone writes a paper and sends it to you, to your breakfast table, doesn't make it an official policy. But I guess it does. And to be clear, according to the CIA's own legal counsel at the time, even just the National Security Council giving them a directive to do something that involves uh, like psychological warfare overseas, is they they don't have the authority (laughs) to do that. It's only Congress... That can uh, uh, authorise a war. Yeah. Psychological warfare is war. Right. They're just doing it anyway. Yes. Now, as I said before, their, their first official mission in April 1948, uh, well, to lead up to April 1948, right. is to get, interfere in the Italian elections. Yes. Now, I know Americans hate anyone interfering <laughs> with an election. Oh, right. Uh, we will have hearings on it. We hate it so much. Don't get me started. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that's anyone interfering in your elections. Oh, that's what uh, I meant to say. You interfering in other countries' elections. Well, that's, that's fine. Funny. That's just dandy. That's normal. So the CIA told the White House that if they didn't interfere in the Italian elections, Italy could become a totalitarian police state, <gasps> if the communists won <gasps> the election, right. they would, and this is a quote, seize the most ancient seat of Western culture. Aww. In particular, devout Catholics everywhere would be gravely concerned regarding the safety of the Holy See. It's true. Catholics would you freak with shit a break. They weren't, they weren't freaking out when Mussolini was running Italy, uh, the Pope or, and Mussolini. Or molesting toy. children. Yeah. They were toy, <laughs> toy, like a toyger. <laughs> toy with the fascists. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But communists, well, that's another right. thing. You know, everyone was happy for the fascists to be running unacceptable. Italy. But for the, yeah. for the communists to be running Italy, oh, we couldn't have that. But I have to say real quick, because it, it can always get worse, and it gets worse here. George Kennan, who obviously had four Red Bulls that morning, said or thought, he told people, I would rather have a shooting war in Europe than to let the Reds legally take power. Again, he would rather go in gangster style with a gun turned to the side, shooting, killing people, rather than let the communists win an election through legal means. This guy is coming across to me as a fanatic, and he's not the only one. So the guy who's going to run this operation for the CIA is F. Mark Wyatt. I think the F stands for fuck Mark (laughs) Wyatt. Um, He was uh, a new recruit in the CIA. Very fuckable. Yeah, oh, fuckable. I get it right. Yeah, he's a very handsome man. Um, 
According to his own memory, uh, they started working on this even before the National Security Council authorised it. And Congress, of course, didn't even know it was going on, so they never even gave it the go-ahead. So the mission was completely illegal from the start. (sighs) Yeah. Now... It's illegal from a certain point of view. No, not really. It's just fucking illegal. But but Wyatt would write, in CIA at headquarters, we were absolutely terrified. We were scared to death. We were going beyond our charter. And I, to my reply to that is, bitch, you can't even turn around and see your charter. That's how far you've strayed from the reservation. Completely illegal. Congress doesn't know what's going on. But here's the rub. In order to alter, overturn, whatever you want to call it, an election, you are going to need a shit ton of cash. Yes, they said, well, <clears throat> it's, uh, is it legal? <laughs> well, what's legal? Yes, it's legal. It's legal. It's, oh, it was called Obi-Wan legalities. <laughs> Didn't you tell me? You told me Vader betrayed and murdered my father. Your father was seduced by the dark side of the force. He ceased to be Anakin Skywalker and became Darth Vader. When that happened, the good man who was your father was destroyed. So what I told you was true, from a certain point of view. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off, Obi-Wan, you dick. Yeah. Sleazy cunt. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's true if you stand over here and you close one eye and you lean your head and you look that way. Fuck you. And here's the thing. Yeah. You know, our generation grew up with Star Wars as our moral point of reference, and we had Obi-Wan going, well, you can lie about some pretty major shit like your father's Darth Vader, but then you can get out of it by going, well, it was true from a certain point of view. No, it wasn't. (laughs) wasn't true from any point of view. You're just a lying piece of shit, Obi-Wan. He was, yeah, I'm like, yes, yes, he Everything, everything that happened from in, from A New Hope onwards right. is Obi-Wan's fault. Because if he had said to Anakin, to, sorry, Luke, actually, Darth Vader's your father and you're probably, uh, you know, you, you've got the darkness yes, inside you. Right. Uh, you inherited it and he's going to try and kill you and your sister. Oh, by the way, that's Princess Leia. Don't make out with right. her. Um, Again. You know, yeah. it, 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 it probably everything would have been different. Luke would have gone, what? Oh, fuck that. Yeah. I'm, I'm out of yeah. 5,000. I don't know what he would have done. But no. Or he would have gone, she's my sister? Yeah. Double hot. hot. I'm in. Oh. Let's go. My twin sister. Would you like to join wow. us, Obi-Wan? Let's go. Bring your lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you, you, Han, <laughs> Chewie. Throw a bot in there. Does R2 have a I'm, dildo? I'm sure if he, he opens up his dildo. compartment, a little something will come out. Yeah. That'd be fine. It probably vibrates. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He probably takes off one of C-3PO's fingers, <laughs> screws it off, and screws it into R2. R2 has this little thing that just... <laughs> Star Wars Sykes. It's the best. <laughs> anyway. Oh, it's hot. It's awesome. <laughs> so, so it was illegal from the get-go. Yes. Um, Mark Wyatt yes. said, at CIA headquarters, we were absolutely terrified. We were scared to death because we knew we were going beyond our charter. Yes. Again. So they knew yeah. it. 
they, they, were, they were breaking the law from the get-go. Some of them were actually nervous because I don't want to go to jail. Whereas other people are like, fuck it, let's do it. Let's go ride the Tauntauns. And so now they're <laughs> going to go to Italy. They're going to try to overthrow an election. But again, they needs to cash. Right. And so because what they're doing is secret and illegal, <laughs> they can't get cash from Congress. Now, the best guess right? of the CIA's Rome station chief at the time, James J. Angleton, remember that name, was $10 million the CIA spent on uh, influencing the Italian election. Some sources say it was more like $20 Yeah, that's back when that was a lot of money. (laughs) Now it's like podcasting weekend splash cash. That's how much you... You, you you flip out to strippers right. on the weekend. Right. Ah, it's nothing, you know. What, what's that pounding sound? <clears throat> anyway, please go ahead. That's me doing the it's money, making oh. it, what do they call it? Making I, it uh, rain money. Is, is That's that the raining money sound. All right, let's go with that. you got to see it. Should be, we should be doing this on camera. <laughs> Make more sense. <laughs> anyway. Now, on top of, on top of this cash... Yeah. They were also siphoning, siphoning off Marshall Plan cash. Sure, sure. Which I'll, I'll get into a little bit later on, how they did this. But they were, like, a lot of this Marshall Plan money was just going to the CIA to throw elections. Right. And we know, because we went into this in detail on our Marshall Plan episodes, the whole point of the Marshall Plan was to buy Western Europe's political allegiance to the United States and America's economic trading bloc. Right. That was the whole point of the Marshall Plan from the get-go, was if we don't spend a ton of money on Europe, a lot of them are probably going to become communists. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we will lose them as export markets, we so that. we need to spend big. Yeah. Yes, it's an, it's an investment it in it uh, the long-term trading relationship that yeah. we have with these countries. Now, Wyatt, Mark Wyatt, delivered large sums of cash in suitcases and brown paper bags <laughs> to the political party that they were supporting over there, known as the Christian Democrats, Aww. mostly Catholics. Right. But you can trust them. And at the same time, yeah. they used the money to run propaganda campaigns against the PCI, the Communist Party in Italy, right. which... They said was being funded by the Soviet Union, but there's not a lot of evidence to support that. Yeah. Now, according to Wyatt, the Communist Party of Italy was funded by black bags of money directly out of the Soviet compound in Rome, and the Italian services were aware of this. As the elections approached, the amounts grew, and the estimates are that ten between eight and ten million a month actually went into the coffers of communism. But as I said, there's no sources out of the USSR, even post perestroika and glasnost right. that confirmed this. It does seem some money was given, but very small amounts. Yeah, they got it. Uh, so, and as we know, because we've done this in detail, Stalin at the time, 47, 48, very reluctant to get involved with communists in the rest of the world yes. because, A, he was trying to keep the Americans off his back because they had the bomb and he didn't. Right. B... He had enough of his own fucking problems trying to rebuild Russia after World War II. So we talked about Ho Chi Minh trying to get his support, got nowhere. Kim Il-sung tried to get his support, got, you know, nearly nowhere, got a little bit of support, but not much, a little bit of logistical support in the Korean War Mm -hmm. in the early stages, but not a great deal. Mao Zedong was trying to get his support at this stage, wasn't getting a lot. 
And, they, and you know, when they did get the support, it was in the early 50s. Right. You know, a little bit later on. Yeah. Well, 50, you know, Korean War, etc. Um so the whole theory that the Italians were getting a shit ton of support out of Stalin, just, I find that very yeah. hard to believe. I, I would need to see tangible proof because, yeah, it, it just wasn't there. And, and uh, I don't want to interrupt your flow, but I wanted to go back to Angleton for a second if I could. So, so again, he, uh, he spent part of his childhood in Italy. He was there during the war. He worked with the OSS. So he is someone who knows Italy. He knows the people. He knows the terrain. He's the guy you want there. In fact, he's been pretty much working hard since the end of the war, and he sends a message back home to Washington that says, you know what, I'm, this is what I've been up to. I've been infiltrating, infiltrating the Italian Secret Service. In fact, I've gotten so good at it, I practically run the motherfuckers myself. So here's the plan. You give me the money... I'm going to use them to pass it out. And like you said, we're going to bribe politicians. We're going to bribe people to vote us. They even gave some money to certain priests of what is, what is it called? The, uh, the Catholic Action, which is a branch of the Vatican Church. So they are just throwing a ton of money all over the place to try to get people to vote for them or to speak up for them or to talk bad about the communists. They were doing this full tilt. But the question is, where is all this money coming from? Before we get into that, yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the Christian Democrats. Okay. So they were founded by Alcide de Gaspari. Wow. He was the last prime minister of the Kingdom of Italy mm-hmm. and the first prime minister of the Italian Republic, one of the founding fathers of the European Union. And I thought this was interesting. When he died, mm-hmm. his estate was so broke Aww. that the... State had to pay for his funeral. So even though he was Prime Minister of Italy for many, many years, uh, apparently, and this is at a time, you know, well, when was Italy ever not corrupt? Uh, right. Still you know, massively corrupt. Everyone yes. was shocked that he hadn't, uh, you know, taken away Benefited. trillions and trillions yes. of dollars. Yeah. yeah. Now, according to historian Gianni Corbi, Italian historian Gianni Corbi, the 1948 election was, quote, the most passionate, the most important, the longest, the dirtiest, and the most uncertain electoral campaign in Italian history. Now, we know a little bit about dirty, corrupt campaigns in Italy. Yeah. Going back to the days of uh, ancient Rome, so that's saying something. <laughs> right. Uh, <clears throat> after the election, uh, the communist leader, Toliati said the elections were not free. Brutal foreign intervention was used consisting of a threat to starve the country by withholding ERP aid, Marshall Plan aid, if it voted for the Democratic Front. The menace to use the atom bomb against towns or regions that voted pro-communist. So uh, there you go. It uh, It was nasty. Full court press. Whatever it takes. This is the Avengers, whatever it takes. And that's what they're doing. So in order to influence the election, the U.S. Uh, had a huge campaign, not only of giving cash to the uh, Christian Democrat politicians, but also undertook a campaign of writing 10 million letters oh God. that they distributed around the country, basically full of propaganda about what would happen if there was a communist victory, had there uh, be blood in the streets. Scared straight. Made... Made a ton of radio broadcast, funded the publishing of books and articles, all talking about what would happen if the country went communist. Damn. And they even published forged letters discrediting the leaders of the Italian Communist Party. 
taking a trick out of uh, J. Edgar Hoover's book when right. he was discrediting Martin Luther King 20 years later. Oh, my God. Um, just like it was out and out lies and propaganda and bribery. Now, can you guess when the CIA stopped handing cash to Italian political parties, Ray? Oh, well, that's obvious. Um, right after the election, because why would you need to do it anymore? Right after the election in 1972, officially. <laughs> and that's only because of the uh, <laughs> the church inquiry into the CIA in the early 70s. Oh. And they're like, you're doing what? Yeah. Holy shit. You got to cut, cut that, that shit out. out. Nod, dog, wink, wink, say no more. <laughs> the watch, mother. The watch will be ready at midnight. Uh yeah. So oh they kept doing God. it for 24 years. That's my money, they, bitch. They Sorry. interfered. Sorry. This is officially. Yeah. They interfered in every Italian election for the next 24 years. Oh, my God. I mean, you would think that if you truly cared about the people and you made good policies and you took care of the people, they would vote for you anyways. But no, no, we're just going to keep fucking bribing because it's the easiest thing to do. And obviously the money is not going to stop flowing from America. So fuck it. We'll just buy all these elections time after time after time. Bribing and also fake news. Yeah. They were using fake news and propaganda. I mean, we think this is new, fake news to influence elections. It's not. The CIA has been doing this since... 1948. Damn. Now, you asked where the money came from. So Secretary of Defence Forrestal and Alan Dulles basically went around to all of their rich friends <laughs> in Wall Street Hat and in Washington, hand. like business people, yeah, bankers, whatever. politicians, and said, yeah, uh, cough up. Pony up, we need to We need to buy an election in Italy, <laughs> cough up some cash. Oh, no problem. Forrestal also went to see John Snyder, the Secretary of the Treasury. Oh, shit. Old friend of his and Harry Truman's. Right. And convinced Snyder to tap into the ESF, the Exchange Stabilization Fund. It was set up in the Depression to share up the value of the dollar. Oh, that's... And wow. it was also uh, converted during World War II as a depository for loot that they captured from the Germans. Um It had $200 million, which they had planned to use for reconstructing Europe. He was like, give me that. Give me the cash. I need the cash. Jesus. Okay. All right. Well, that's one way of reconstructing Europe. How did they get that cash to Italy, Ray? How did they get it? Oh, oh, I love this because there's nothing more American than this. So... They would take some of those of that two hundred million. They would take millions of dollars and they would put it into various bank accounts of who? Well, wealthy, loyal American citizens. Now, these wealthy, loyal American citizens would then turn around and send that cash to newly formed political fronts created by the CIA. So we've got the money. We've sent it over. And that money is going to end up being in the hands of the politicians, the priests, the Vatican, all that kind of stuff. But here's my favorite part. For those wealthy Americans who got the money and sent it on to Italy, just so their taxes wouldn't be screwed up, they were given a certain special code to write on their income tax forms when they did their taxes the following year, alongside their charitable donations. So I guess the IRS would then know not to fuck these people over because they were help battling communism. I mean, this is just a massive, but again, completely illegal undertaking that is being done by Forrestal, 
Uh, I don't know if Dulles is involved in this yet, but they're, but it's, again, it's weird. They're going up to rich Americans and go, look, I'm going to give you $2 million. Don't ask me any questions. Now I'm going to put it in this fund and I want you to write a check and I want you to send it to that fund over there. Okay. As a loyal American, I need you to do that. Sure. No problem, Bob. And they fucking did it. They did it for millions of dollars worth. Yeah, it's interesting. They didn't give the money then directly like the the Americans who got this cash. A lot of them were Italian-Americans. They didn't give the cash directly to the uh, politicians in Italy. It was given first to CIA fronts in Italy who then gave the money, suitcases filled with cash to uh, Italian politicians and priests of Catholic action, the political arm of the Vatican that we talked about. Yes. In our, uh, you know, uh, Red Scare episodes and we've talked about uh, on the the, um, fascism in Yugoslavia episodes, right? Catholic Mm -hmm. action was tied in with the Catholic fascists in Yugoslavia and uh, it's all part of the same, all part of the same operation, right? To make sure Catholics re- rule the world, right? So they were giving huge amounts of cash to priests and Italian po- politicians, black bags filled with <clears throat> cash, going down in a hotel, the Hassler Hotel in <laughs> Rome. Oh my God! Now, this remember, remember what we said on the last episode: the CIA is still working out the five points. It's not like they've got decades of experience. They're still working this out. So this first major operation, you can't be surprised that it's tacky. You can't be surprised that it's uncouth. But because we're talking about $10 million U.S. back in 1947, you can best believe this shit worked. Yeah, it worked. Uh, The Christian Democrats won the 1948 election with 48% of the vote. Damn. The communists got 31% of the vote. And as we said before, the CIA kept buying elections in Italy for the next 24, 25 years. And a leftist coalition would not win a general election in Italy for 48 years. It wasn't until 1996. Damn. The CIA did such a good job of stacking the deck against them. Because, you know, if you've been in the political wilderness for 25 years... Yeah. You lose all of your good people, et cetera, et cetera. Your messaging, all that kind of stuff. It gets harder and harder, exactly. Yeah. But But in the weeks leading up to the election, the communists scored a victory in Czechoslovakia where they came to power. And, of course, the the, uh, CIA used that as propaganda back at home in the US and in Italy in the lead-up to the Italian elections. Uh, the CIA station chief in Prague, Charles Katek, mm-hmm. got about 30 Czechs, including uh, the head of the Czech intelligence, out of the country. He was uh, The head of the Czech intelligence was smuggled out of the country, stuffed between a radiator oh, and the grill of a roadster. Jesus Christ. That must have been uncomfortable. Yeah, but it's better than being killed. So if I could, let me set up how... The fall of Czechoslovakia is going to be used by the the military-industrial complex, the Cold Warriors, the U.S. military, and and the CIA. So I'll just set this up in the camera, and I'll let you do the details. So on March 5th, 1948, as the Czech crisis is still in mid-explosion, 
there's a cable that comes to the Pentagon from General Lucius D. Clay, who is the chief of American occupation forces in Berlin. Okay, now, but to set that up, the month before, Congress was literally in the middle of debating, should we give more funding to the Marshall Plan? It's clear that we're going to lose the Czech state. Maybe we should give some more money, but some of the senators and House representatives were going, well, we've already given billions. Maybe we should back off on this a little bit. But here's the thing. A general, excuse me, a Lieutenant General S.J. Chamberlain, who's the director of Army Intelligence, visits General Clay in Berlin. Chamberlain impresses upon Clay the absolute pitiful state of readiness of the U.S. forces in Europe and the fact that major military appropriations are pending in Congress. And we somehow need to come up with something that will galvanize public support for a substantial American rearmament. We need tons and tons of money to bring our military back up to snuff in case the Russians to try to start World War III. So the director of Army Intelligence tells General Clay, and accordingly, um, at Chamberlain's request, General Clay is going to send a top secret cable to Washington to help the Army chiefs as they are about to testify in front of the Senate Armed Services Committee. So what you're about to hear is not based in reality or veracity. It's literally the, the military wants more money because they think they're not strong enough and they're going to try to, how should I put this, hoodwink Congress to get millions if not billions of more dollars from them for their own budgets. Wow. Yeah. I have a quote from General Clay, but if you have it, I'll let you... No, go ahead. Okay. So a part of what General Clay sends to his superiors in the Pentagon, so they can then read out in front of Congress or maybe give it to them privately, but it's going to get out public anyway. General Clay, I'll just give you a couple of sentences. General Clay says this. For many months, based on logical analysis, I have felt and held that war was unlikely for at least 10 years. Within the last few weeks, I have felt a sudden change in Soviet attitudes, which I cannot define, but which now gives me a feeling that it may come with dramatic suddenness. He's talking about being attacked by the Russians. I cannot support this change in my own thinking with any data or outward evidence in relationships other than to describe it as a feeling of new tenseness with every Soviet individual with whom we have official relations. I am unable to submit any official report in the absence of supporting data, but my feeling is real. And based on that, mm. he wants millions, if not billions of more dollars from Congress because he has a gut feeling the Soviets are going to attack. Mm. Which he doesn't really, but he was just asked to say that by the military intelligence. I wanted to get back to the uh, situation in Czechoslovakia, yeah, yes, which please. we should probably we should probably do a breakout uh, miniseries on that at some point because this is obviously one of the defining points of the Cold War. But in the in the I guess a shorthand version right. of it for people who aren't familiar with what happened in Czechoslovakia in 1928. So there was a there was a government uh, in the country at the time made up of communists and non-communists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the 1946 election right. that they had was you know very popular election. They formed like a, a coalition government. Yes, and then basically it started to fall apart. Right in the late in in sort of late 47, early 48. 
a lot of tension between the communists and the non-communists. And basically, there was a coup d'état. It, it got mm-hmm. it got to such a point where the communists were trying to kick out the non-communists. The non-communists were trying to kick out the communists, and it basically turned into a, a you know a mini civil war, mm-hmm. coup d'état. Both sides were trying to kick out the other. The communists won, um, and basically took over. Right, right? they uh, f- fired everyone who wasn't a communist. Hundreds of people were arrested. Thousands of people were fired from their jobs. Thousands of people fled the country, mm-hmm. and the, the the sort of the national assembly collapsed. And uh, there was a new constitution that was approved by the parliament, which declared Czechoslovakia a people's democratic state. And it wasn't entirely communist, but uh, it was close like enough. it was fairly close to yeah. being an entirely communist yeah. thing, right? So. When we say that, you know, the, the communists took over, I think a lot of people in the West kind of assume mm-hmm. that the Russians rolled in with their army right. and overthrew the government of Czechoslovakia right. or something like that. Yeah. Again, that's not how this these sorts of things went down. This was a domestic issue. Mm-hmm. This was a, a, basically a civil war between the communists, communist uh, party in the country and the non-communist parties, two groups of people at odds, different visions for the country, and uh, they tried to work together, they couldn't work together, and they ended up having a civil war. No different to the American Civil War and every other fucking civil war that we've seen. Um, Now, like in the American Civil War... The parties had uh, one of the parties had outside influence. Yeah, who who, who supported the North in your civil war, right? Um, the French helped us more towards. They the helped end. you in your, and they helped you in your in your uh, revolutionary war. Yes, that's what I meant. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm getting my wars mixed up. Civil war, civil war. The British. Yeah. Where are the British? The British. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't say that, well, the British overthrew America or the French overthrew. Right. We see it as a, a fight, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, the Revolutionary War was a civil war yeah. because there were people on the side of the British, Americans on the side of the British as there were Americans on the side of the tax dodgers. Mm-hmm. And it's the same in the Civil War, right? There were Americans on both sides. We don't say, well, it was uh, a British coup right. or it was or a, a French coup. Right. We see it as a civil war. But when we talk about places like oh, Czechoslovakia fucking, here in the West. Fucking, you know, Stalin was in the lead tank himself coming in, <laughs> kicking out the non-communists. I fucking knew it. Yeah. That's the that's the sort of the propagandic right. perspective that we sort of grew up with and we've been given. Oh, well, it was the Soviets. The Soviets were involved. They supported it. Yeah. But it was, you know, to a, to a, as I've said, uh, you know, with Ho Chi Minh and Mao Zedong and Kim Il-sung, Soviets in 47, 48, Stalin didn't want to get involved didn't need in that a lot headache. of shit. Yeah, I don't need, I yeah. got times for you, motherfucker. Yeah. He had enough fucking problems. <laughs> On his plate. <laughs> and he was really reluctant yeah. to piss off the West because they had the bomb. Clearly they didn't have it. a bomb yeah. yet. Yeah. Right. That said, 
they he needed to expand his trading block. Right. We know that because he needed to trade. Yeah. With countries outside of Russia, that's right. what the Soviet republics were all about as a trading block. And he was happy for this to happen and would support them where he could. Yeah. But uh, it's not like they just—it's not like they rolled in with a fucking army. <laughs> the um, Red Army rolls in. It. Yeah, it was a—it was a civil affair. It yeah. was a civil war. The communists won, and uh, but you know we in the West then and now we tend to see it as a Soviet orchestrated thing, and that's not really backed up by history. But of course, the Americans at the time, um, including General Clay. Yes. Lost their collective fucking minds <laughs> and used it to justify yes. a, a massive spending on sort of building an American hegemony uh, in Europe and in other countries around the world yeah. over the next 40 years yeah. of the Cold War. So General Clay said uh, the Soviets were going to attack him in Berlin at any minute. Yeah. Um, they had no intention of that. We've no. done our whole Berlin blockade right. series. Stalin never for a second intended to start a fucking war over it. Yeah. But don't let the facts get in the way of a good story <laughs> if you're General Lucius D. Clay. Right. Devious. Devious Clay. And you're you're not gonna yeah. you're not gonna be surprised that Clay's uh telegram gets to the Pentagon where it is purposefully leaked. And like you just said, Washington and the country freaks out. Oh my God, the communists are going to attack us in Germany any minute. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. but here's the thing. Like you just said, Stalin purposefully ordered people not to fuck up, don't do anything to antagonize them. And the CIA itself had a base in Berlin, and their reporting told Truman, look, there is no sign of any impending attack. I don't know what the fuck Clay is talking about, but no one's making moves here. But you've got Lucius Clay, who is a hero to the Americans, and I don't know how much we've, if we've gone into this, but when the American army was coming into Germany, Lucius Clay was there with his cameras and he would film all the uh, concentration camps and he would show these films over and over and over and over again during the, um, the, um, uh, during the trials that when we put all the Nazis on trial. So he became a household name. You've got his word versus the CIA, which is a brand new organization. And again, it, it's half of its job is to not even let people know it's there. So no one's listening to the CIA, even though they're getting it right this time, they're all listening to Clay and everybody is freaking the fuck out. You know, and, and this whole tactic of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, they're going to attack, they're going to attack any minute. Still falling for it. How often, yeah, how often have we seen that fucking play out? They're yeah. doing it at the moment with, uh, well, they're doing it sort of over Iran. Yes. Justification of the Israeli, we believe, assassination of an Iranian nuclear physicist last week. Oh, they're going to build a bomb. Yeah. They're going to get us. Take them out. You, you yeah. used it to justify the invasion of Iraq back in 2003. It's uh, the same old tricks that People, just get pulled out every yes. time. Oh, my God, they're going to attack us. We need to intervene right now. Yeah. Americans, left and right, full for it, hook, line, yes. and sinker yes. every time. But here, here's the thing. Whether it's a military or president saying, 
something really bad's about to happen. The next sentence is, which is why we need hundreds of millions of your tax dollars. It's like a priest, you know, God's going to do this or God's going to do this. And now I need you to send me a whole bunch of money. You think we would pick up on the part where they said, oh, and we need to spend a ton of money, but we don't. And so they keep using it because it works. So Truman, now that he's got everybody worked up and maybe he didn't even know uh, the truth, I have no idea, but he's going to go before a joint session of Congress with this warning in his hand, and talk to the American people. And this becomes the Marshall Plan. Um, And, you know, the the key authors of the Marshall Plan were George Kennan, (laughs) James Forrestal, and Alan Dulles. It's the same guys. The fucking same guys. Yeah, the guys that created the CIA in order to take over the world wrote the Marshall Plan. Now... As I've explained in the in our economic series and the Marshall Plan series, and I'll go over it again, although I know people are rolling their eyes and it's boring, <laughs> this is how at least I think about right. the Marshall Plan and every other, oh, my God, they're going to get us, we need trillions of dollars uh, speech that gets given. The money goes from American taxpayers mm-hmm. into the US to the U.S. Treasury. Right. The U.S. Treasury then hands that money out to American corporations in the form of Pentagon contracts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it goes from American taxpayers, it's supposed to pay for infrastructure, roads, hospitals, schools. Huh. Uh, instead of that, it goes to pay for military infrastructure. Right. Or, in the case of the Marshall Plan, uh, money given to, uh, well, not money, lines of credit yes. given to European countries to say you can buy tractors, American tractors, American mm-hmm. uh, machinery for your printing plants, dildos, American machinery whatever. for your factories, right. dildos, right, yeah. There's lines of credit, but the money's going into rich people. So the the, the pockets of the industrialists in oh. America, they get this money, free money, easy money, yeah. no one looking over their shoulders money. What do they do with that money? They uh, give it uh, some of it right back to the politicians in Congress. Keep it coming. Go, Thank you very much. Keep it coming. Here's my yeah. uh, contribution to your uh, election campaign. Right. Good luck, Senator. And my tithe, yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, here's a little bit on the side for you right. through uh, tax uh, shelter out of Delaware that Joe Biden's given the thumbs up and the secret wink to, right? Right. It's a fucking scam. It's, it's a, a scam. They've yeah. been doing it for 70 years. They're still doing it. It is the greatest, cleverest scam in history, and they keep getting away with it because it keeps working because yes. Americans are too fucking dumb to pick up on it, <laughs> and you've got the flag up your fucking asses <laughs> and your hands on your heart saying your Pledge of Allegiance. The Pledge of Allegiance should be, I swear... To hand over all my money to a small group of white American rich people every time they say, oh, my God, they're going to attack us. God bless you, Jesus. I mean, that's the basic Pledge of Allegiance, right? It's an allegiance to the industrial military congressional complex. I will say real quick that, yes, the Americans get jobs out of stuff like that, but obviously the vast majority of the money stays within a very small elite circle of rich people, whether it's rich politicians and and rich businessmen. So, yeah, and we keep we get afraid. We trust our officials 
and we don't question it, and it keeps working. So they keep doing it. Now, out of the 13-odd billion that was approved for the Marshall Plan, 5% of the funds, $685 million, right? was earmarked to the CIA's overseas offices for the next six years for bribery yes. and uh, election manipulation. So we go from not having a budget to, oh, thank you, $685 million, and this is in 1948. Come on. Yeah. Anyway. And it's not actually being approved by Congress for the CIA to do <laughs> dirty tricks with. It's Marshall Plan. Oh, what's the money for? Oh, Marshall. we're going to yeah. save Europe. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's, that's nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A little, little bit, little bit on the side. Wet the beak. So, uh, as Colonel R. Allen Griffin, right, who ran the Marshall Plan's Far East Division, said they would just tell the CIA to stick their hand in our pocket. Jesus. We'd look the other way and give them a little help and tell them to stick their hand in our pocket, he said. A little help? Millions of dollars? Yeah. So, so the CIA has a mountain of cash that is completely untraceable. So covert money, covert operations goes hand in hand. Now the CIA can just fucking run with it. So secret funds were at the heart of the CIA for many, mm. many years. It had a source of untraceable cash. Love it that it didn't need to get approval for, didn't need to tell Congress what it was doing with the cash. Oh. It could just do whatever the fuck it wanted, I, and boy, did they. I was going to say, this might sound obvious now, but the way you said it, it made me realize, if I've already got a bunch of cash, I don't have to go to Congress, even though I should go to Congress and ask permission for this latest operation, because I can already pay for it. And if I can already pay for it, fuck Congress. So... I'm not going to them. Like you said, they're going to have no idea what we're doing unless they read about it in the paper, and by then it's too late. So they used the cash, among other things, to set up a group of front companies throughout Europe. Yes. Um, ranging from businesses, public committees, councils, uh -huh. headed by distinguished European citizens right. that were all on the take yeah. from the CIA. Jesus. Uh, publishing houses, newspapers, student groups, the same thing that they do today. What's the uh, American... Think tanks. Um, we have think tanks now. Yeah, well... Oh, there's another one? American, the, the aid organization that oh, we always, yeah, always yeah. gets involved in Latin America. Yeah. Um, Can't remember what it's called off right. the top of my head, but... Um, but it's positioned as, uh, well, we're just spreading the word about democracy. But right. if you listen to any Latin American leaders, they're actually just funneling cash to subversive organizations. Now, if you were to ask, if you were to describe all of this and you were to ask George Keenan Thompson Cannon, <laughs> he would say, no, 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 we are doing nothing more than fighting fire with fire. It turns out the Soviets, who don't have as much money as we are, have perfected the various subversion tactics that they're, that they're doing. We're just taking what they're doing because it freaking works. We're going to do it too, but we're going to throw a lot of money into the mix. We are literally fighting fire with fire. Now, I'm not saying if you take on the tactics of the bad guys, that makes you a bad guy. That just makes you a really clever, good guy. But either way, I'm sure Tenet and all them easily justified this to themselves. Well, it's, you know, the, the last time I was in court uh, for rape and murder <laughs> and cannibalism. In that order. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, duh. You don't want to well, eat someone. It's, it's you, Cam. It could, it could be in any order. And then rape right. them. I mean, well, you could try that, I guess. But 
Ripe Murder Eat. Right. Is, uh, the new game. The, 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 yeah. Look, that's the way my dad taught it to me, and I've never challenged that. But the last time I was in court on a Rape Murder Eat charge, right. the old RME, oh, you're back for another RME, Riley? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I got up in court and I said, Your Honour, Your Honour, Judge, Judge O, Judge Judge E, <laughs> Judge O, mate. Listen, yeah. other people are doing it. Yeah. That's my defence. Other people are doing it too. I'll see you next week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. He was like, you know what? If it's good enough for the CIA, it's good enough for you. You're right. You're right. I got nothing. I got (laughs) got nothing nothing. for that. All of my years on the you know the bar behind the bench. I've never I've never heard a a defence argument that rock fucking solid. Can't argue with that. Other people did it. It's okay. Off you go, son. Enjoy your RME this week. See you. See you next Tuesday. The court would like to apologize, Mr. Riley. You have a good day. So they were also spending the money on building up foreign agents uh, throughout Europe, oh, spies, yeah. local spies, bribing people to give them secrets about what was going on. Right. And dirt. You know, following the J. Edgar Hoover model. Oh yeah. Dirt on all of the political leaders and business leaders throughout Europe. That's what these spies are for. So if anyone gets any funny ideas in their head about (laughs) self-determination... Right. You can go, really? Oh. Let me me show you these photos I took of you Uh, fucking a prostitute... (laughs) Or a goat. ...snorting coke off her tits... Right. ...last week. You go, hold on. (laughs) You literally paid me to fuck her and snort the coke off her tits. And you said at the time... Right. ...if you don't do this... We'll have you killed, and then you made me do it, and now you're blackmailing. You go, yeah, that's <laughs> welcome to the CIA. <laughs> it's that's how. Yeah, no, it's my <laughs> that's job. How it works. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now we don't have to kill you because we got. Yeah, it gets messy. Yeah, yeah, we got this, and yeah. you have to pay someone to right. kill you. Now I don't need to pay anyone to kill you. So yeah. easy peasy, <clears throat> Japanesey. Now, if it helps, we took your fingerprints, put it on a gun, shot the hooker. So now you can also be done for murder. So. It's good doing business with you. Oh, I got something for that. Thought I could help you, Senator. Listen, Hagan. I did not know. It's all right. I didn't do anything. It's okay. Now, if this had happened someplace else, we couldn't have helped you. It'll be as though she never existed. Damn. Yeah, that's how it works, man. That's how it works. That's how they got me. The old... Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, I that's how long. I got you. That's why you're still working with me. <laughs> right. Seven years and one yeah. week later, I got the photos. <laughs> I'll show don't, you wife. Don't even mention the goat. Let's just let's keep this she, a goatless <laughs> conversation. So Kennan's ideas for uh, bribing their way around Europe started to take hold back in Washington, and they were basically formalized in the secret order NSC Directive 10-2, mm-hmm. June 18, 1948. I've got a copy of it here oh, in front of me. Good. Let me read the first couple of, yeah, I have secret NSC documents. Have them, got them all. Got a collection of them. Good. No, it's been declassified since, but um, gotcha. here, here's what it says. This is on the uh, office of the historian, history.state.gov. NSC 10 2, Washington, June 18, 1948. The National Security Council taking cognizance of the vicious covert activities of the USSR, Mm. its satellite countries and communist groups to discredit and defeat the aims and activities of the United States and other Western powers, 
has determined that, in the interests of world peace and U.S. national security, the overt foreign activities of the U.S. government must be supplemented by covert operations. The Central Intelligence Agency is charged by the National Security Council with conducting espionage and counter-espionage operations abroad. It therefore seems desirable, for operational reasons, not to create a new agency for covert operations, but in time of peace to place the responsibility for them within the structure of the Central Intelligence Agency and correlate them with espionage and counter-espionage operations under the overall control of the Director of Central Intelligence. Now, this was the National Security Council, which Truman was the chair of... And yet he goes on later on in life, he goes, oh, I had no idea what the CIA were doing. I just wanted them to write me a memo once a week. (laughs) Covert operations, shocked, gambling, (laughs) this establishment, what? (coughs) So he called bullshit on Truman yet again. Full of shit, Truman. (laughs) Harry S. Full of shit. Shit for brains, (laughs) full of shit, Truman. Former haberdashery, yeah. So this new tip of the spear, as we might want to call it, is going to be called the Office of Policy Coordination, or OPC, or as I like to say it around the house, OPC! The point is, it sounds harmless, but it is going to be in charge of this. And like you said, it's going to be tucked inside of the CIA. So again, they're getting more structure. They're getting more organized. They got a ton of cash. The CIA, the people behind it are just moving forward as fast as they possibly can. Five little letters that are missing here. You get it on occasion if the other party isn't came in. It seems I gotta start the explaining. You ever had a girl that met her on a nice hello? They get her name and number, then let fill her in my low. You get her way today, she's what you wanna know about. Do you call up and it's a girlfriend's or a cousin's house? It's not a front of F to the R to the O to the A to the T. It's just a boyfriend's out of The theme the song OPP. for the CIA. <laughs> Believe it or not, very little known fact there, Normie. It's over too. Yeah, it's a little known fact there, Normie. I'll break brains, So the State Department wanted uh, it to carry out rumor spreading, bribery, and the organization of non communist fronts. According to a National Security Council report, which was declassified in 2003, they wanted it to perform guerrilla movements, underground armies, sabotage and assassination. So, international law, fuck all, maybe? U.S. law, fuck all, let alone international law. That's true. Fuck it all. Fuck it all. Yeah. Anyway. So, they, they... you know, really wanted to play this out in Berlin yes. as well. Frank Wisner in Berlin urged his superiors at the State Department to help him subvert the Soviets by introducing the new German currency that we cool. talked about now, Berlin blockade yes. uh, series. It was a, 
a way of basically forcing the power-sharing arrangement with Russia in Berlin to collapse. Yeah, Because, dumbass. you know, yeah. yeah. I mean, they knew that if they did it, the Russians would get pissed off and push back and then they could go, oh, look at the Russians, look yeah. what they're doing. We got the bomb. Yeah. I mean, literally sabotaging a post-war power-sharing agreement in Berlin, his plan was to fuck with the Russians to see what they would do. I mean, that's insane. It's a Cold War. Leave it as a Cold War. Anyway. Um, well, I don't know. Where we want to wrap this thing up, um, I guess talking about Wisner and Berlin, he was ready for a hot war yes. against the Russians argued that the United States should fight its way into Berlin with tanks and artillery. God damn. It was rejected, but uh, Cannon sort of insisted that covert operations couldn't be run by a committee. They needed a, they needed a commander. They needed yeah. one boss. One man well, must be boss, exactly. he said, which is my policy on our podcasts. <laughs> And they all agreed that Frank Wisner yes. was the guy. Firebrand. He was nearly 40, uh, had been a handsome man in, in his youth, but like you, right, sure. his hair had started to thin, his face and torso had chunked up. Wow, that Because he, he was a massive alcoholic. <laughs> and he'd only been a spy for three years. I could do it. But they, dis- they decided that he was the right guy. The right stuff. The guy that wanted to invade Berlin with tanks and uh, aircraft. They're going to put him in charge. They decided. He was the guy that they decided should be in control of the OPC, the Covert Operation Wing of the CIA. He said, can I come in with tanks and planes? No. Covert. What's covert mean? Look it up, Frank. Look it up. I don't have a dictionary. I, I smoked it. I snorted coke out of it. And then I smoked it. All right, Frank, well, uh, we'll get you another dictionary, Frank. Then you can look up covert, Frank. And that, I think, is where we will... Uh, dramatic pause. ...end this episode. Here, here. An iron curtain has descended across the continent. 